Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Good morning. Welcome to Saving Grace Church. Uh, My name is Kay McCoy. If this is uh, the first time you've been here, we're working our way through the book of Matthew uh, recently. And so the message today is a bit of a continuation or a part two, if you will, of Joe's message last week on uh, you cannot serve two masters, God and mammon or money. And In this section of Scripture, which is just a few paragraphs, Jesus mentions, uses the word anxious six times. And so that's a lot in a short period of time. And so I think that it seems for sure we all can be anxious at some times, even if we don't think that's the case. Some people, of course, are more prone to be anxious than others and here's some ways that this anxiety might manifest itself in our lives that we may not think of as anxious behaviors controlling behaviors anger talking more than is called for or even is comfortable for people drowsiness nausea difficulty making simple decisions Things like that. So those are some maybe things that you didn't think of were symptoms of anxiety. According to a woman named Brene Brown, who's a leading research scientist in the social work field, America today is the most in-debt, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. Let me say that again. The most in-debt, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. Why am I saying all that? So that you can be encouraged and also aware that you're not alone if you are feeling anxious. So, and I want to be clear that at times there may be situations where some people may need to access the mental health resources that are available. That's very important. So then let's, let's read the text together and then I'll pray and then we'll get into the message. Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than the food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lily of the fields, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, Even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that uh, you are so good to us, that you provide what we need, Lord. I pray this morning that your word would touch hearts with power by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and change our minds, change our hearts through your word, through the, the gifts that you've given us, of, of grace and peace and mercy and joy, Father. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, four years ago, I lost my job. I was the primary source of income in our house with four children still at home. And it was a job I'd been at for more than 20 years. And being in my 50s, wasn't like I was exactly looking to make a career change. So, of course, I applied for some jobs and nothing really seemed to materialize. And I would have these thoughts, like, weird, kind of weird, the things I thought of, like, in, you know, do we have enough, we're going to have enough soap, do, we need, do I need to buy, like, a big box of soap or toothpaste and things to take baths, we're going to have enough toilet paper. That was before all the toilet paper shortage things, by the way, so... <laughs> So should we stock up? And, and in the meantime, I decided to start my own business, which can bring quite a level of its own anxiety. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and at the time, I felt like I was doing really well trusting in the Lord. Uh, but make no mistake, there was plenty of sleepless uh, There were some sleepless nights. So, and I was concerned about the, the question of, could I, could I do well enough in the business? Had to figure out the numbers. How much do I need to make to replace my income? Could I make enough to put bread on the table for my family day in and day out? Is that, is that possible? And how, what do I need to do to do that? So, there's a lot of questions that come to mind in that situation. Um, things like, what about the equipment that I needed? Would I be able to find a facility that would meet my needs? There were so many pieces to figure out in a short period of time. And I didn't know how I'd come up with the funds to purchase the equipment that I needed to pull this off. And as I was attempting to figure out all this, someone offered me an interest-free loan to purchase the equipment that I needed. God provided and the deal that they offered me actually was much better than anything that I would have suggested or even thought of. 
And I was nervous. So, see again, God provided. And not only did He provide, but it was more than I thought He could do. Or I could do, anyway. <laughs> so, I was nervous because the deal was to pay the loan back in a short period of, relatively short period of time. And not only did I pay it off on time, but I paid it off early. I learned that I needed to trust God. Seasons of unknowns can be especially anxiety-inducing. And sometimes these situations make us incredibly grateful, like I was, that God sees the big picture when we're living in the everyday. So, even if you're not facing a situation like I was, where you've lost your job, again, it seems like all of us have a certain level of anxiety, even if we don't think we do. So let's look into Matthew chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 25. And think about the last time you went to the grocery store. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Think about the last time you went to the grocery store and you get to the part where you go to check out and you look in your cart and you look at the number on the screen and it seems like that's not right, right? Inflation is going through the roof. If you're like me, you hear 6 7 8% inflation. Seems like it's a bigger percentage than that whenever you get to that point. So uh, certainly that can drive some anxiety. But he doesn't want us to be anxious because he's going to provide what we need. In the next verse, he tells us how the birds of the air do not sow or reap, yet your heavenly Father. Do you see that in there? Three words. Your heavenly Father provides food for them. So, some of you might be thinking a thought like, well, this is great news, Kay. I can just stay home, read my Bible a couple hours a day, pray a couple hours a day, and God's going to provide everything I need. So, I'm going to give you this answer. I learned this word from my Spanish... Jason Killian can plug your ears. My Spanish professor at IUP. He was born in Spain, so I got like the original accent and everything, okay? From the Mediterranean Sea in Spain. The answer to the question, can I stay home and not go to work and God's going to provide, it's no. <laughs> no. That is not how it works. You've got to get up and go to work and do your thing, okay? And He will provide everything. So we just want to make sure everybody's clear on that. <laughs> Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, that if you don't work, you don't eat, Okay? And we're called to do all things, whether you like your job or not, for His glory, knowing that He will care for our needs. So, that leads me... Aren't you glad, Jason, I didn't butcher any Spanish words today? <laughs> that leads me to my first point. <clears throat> In Christ, we become the children of the King. And citizens of the kingdom. 
Remember he said, your heavenly Father provides for them. Your heavenly Father. So let's look at Ephesians 2 and verses 17 through 19. And he came and preached peace to you, that's Jesus, who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstones. So in Christ, we're not just citizens. It's not like being a U.S. citizen. You are also a citizen, so you have all the rights that a citizen has, but you're a child of the King because of our faith in Christ. 1 John 3, in verses 1 and 2, See what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. So, King Charles, was Prince Charles, just was coronated, right? So if I were to go there and for some reason become a citizen of the UK, which is not going to happen, um, I'm a citizen. I have all the rights. I have all the responsibilities. But he's not going to be my dad. All right? He's not going to take me into his palace. He's not going to say, hey, if you need something, call me. I'm always here. I'm not adopted into his family. Same in the U.S. We're not adopted into the family of the president whenever he gets elected. We're citizens. But So this king, this monarchy, this kingdom is unlike any kingdom that has ever existed on the planet Earth. It doesn't work like that anywhere else. Jesus says, if you put your faith in me, not only can you come in to my kingdom, but I am now your father. Isn't that amazing? The universe has never seen anything like it and never will. I just blew my mind whenever I thought about that, what that really, really means. You are a son of the king. You are a daughter of the king. Not of the UK, not of the United States, not of Pennsylvania, but of everything. The entire universe. And he loves you. Let's move on then to verse 27. Uh, and he says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So I want to read this short section to you. Many studies have found a link between anxiety-prone personality and shortened lifespan. Do you see that? Actually, the opposite. We think by worry that we're going to live longer. We actually live shorter lifespans because when we a link between the anxiety-prone personality and shortened lifespan. I'm going to try to keep this simple here because it's a little technical maybe. The tendency to always react to frustration, loss, or threat with negative emotions is referred to neuroticism by researchers who have found this trait to be widespread and worrisome. 
For instance, a study published in 2008, researchers at Purdue University followed 1,600 men ages 43 to 91 for 12 years to examine how those with these neurotic personalities fared over time. At the end of the study, only 50% of the men with high or increasing neuroticism or negative attitudes to frustration and worry, 50% of them were still alive after the 12 years, whereas 75 to 85% of the other group were still alive. So to 25 to 35% of people, their lives seemed to be shortened because they worried and they reacted with frustration and anger and negative emotions. That's from Mark Stivich and Very Well Mind. You know, I really wish I'd have known that when I was younger. <laughs> Can help me now. That would have been good to know quite a while ago. There are some common activities that they will tell you will help relieve stress in the natural world. Um, meditation, journaling, exercise, listening to music, those sorts of things. So if that's true in the natural world, how much greater would our reduction of anxiety be if we meditate on God and listen to worship music or praise music, take a prayer walk, not just a walk, take a prayer walk, create a prayer journal. I'd go to point number two. Through Christ Jesus, we're accepted into the kingdom. Believe that. So you're telling me to seek this kingdom. How do I do that? John 3 and verse 3, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How are you going to seek a kingdom that you cannot see? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. God is calling all of us to put our faith in Jesus and be born again by the Holy Spirit. Then and only then do you become a child of the everlasting King, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So if you've never done that, that's what you need to do today. Because if you don't do that, everything that I'm sharing today, all these things don't apply. You're not a part of the kingdom of God. We'll talk about that more later. You're a part of a kingdom, but it's not the kingdom of God. I hope you can do that today. I hope you can trust in Jesus as your heavenly Father. For those of you like me who were saved many years ago or yesterday, <laughs> and you're fully confident that you've been born again, you put your trust and faith in Jesus, I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that, that He's your everlasting Father. I want you to have faith. We have such a wonderful King. He's mighty, but He's gentle, and He loves you. So I hope today is to paint a picture of that kingdom, what it is, what kind of a King He is, and what your place in that kingdom is today, right now.
in verses 28 through 30. It says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I mentioned a lady named Brene Brown earlier. She is a research professor with a bachelor's degree in social work, a master's degree in social work, and a PhD in social work. And... She believed, she was taught that if you cannot measure it, it does not exist when she was young and in college in her early years. So she went on to study, seeking truth after thousands of interviews over six years, and she wrote a book and she formed a thesis that she wrote the book about studying people's connections and how they deal with pain and sorrow and worthiness and value. And one of her main conclusions that she came up with is, is through all these years of study and talking to people over and over again was that two groups of people that she could take everyone and kind of divide them into two groups of people. Those with a strong sense of worthiness and a strong sense of love and belonging. That's the first group. The second group. Those who struggle with having a sense of worthiness and feelings of love and belonging. So those are the two groups. One who has a strong sense and one who struggles. What she found is the one... Now this is through... This is not from a Christian perspective. This is from data-driven, scientific, natural world studies. Okay? I want to be clear on that. The one key difference is that the people who have a strong sense that they are worthy of love and acceptance, listen to this, they believe that they are worthy of love and acceptance. That blew my mind. Because I started thinking about Jesus. And uh, my daughter turned me on to this... this uh, TED Talk that she does several years ago, long before this message came, I, I was thinking about this, and I thought about how much is that true? If that's true in the natural world, the sinful, broken, natural world, and I believe that science, when it's done correctly, proves God's Word is true, all right? It proves God's Word is true. Here's an example. Are we worthy of love and acceptance? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in God's eyes, we're not worthy. But in Christ Jesus, we are worthy when we put our faith in Him. Is that amazing? That was, our, that was our first point, that we're worthy of love and acceptance. So if this science proves that in the natural world of sinful man, how much more is that true in the kingdom of God? That if I believe that I am a child of the King, that in Christ, because He's the cornerstone, I am now worthy of His love and acceptance. And He will provide for my needs on a daily basis. 
Let me, let me talk about this a little bit more because it talks about Solomon and all of his glory and the lilies and we think about that. So let me back up. The lilies of the field, Solomon and all his glory. Here's 1 Kings verse 7, eight, excuse me, chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. And also verse 27. The king also made a great ivory throne and overlaid it with the finest gold. This is King Solomon. The throne had six steps and the throne had a round top. And on each side of the seat were armrests and two lions standing beside the armrests. With twelve lions stood there and on each end of a step on the six steps, the like of it was never made in any kingdom. That's Solomon's palace. And the king, in verse 27, the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone because there was so much gold. Silver was like stone. And so amazing was his palace and his clothing and his servants that who knows, who's ever heard the term the Queen of Sheba? Like when I was a kid, they'd say, oh, what's she thinks she's the Queen of Sheba? That's kind of how it went, like, you know, a little sassy there. But that's a, that's a real person in the Bible. The Queen of Sheba comes to see Solomon at his palace for some wisdom. And it says that when she went there, she had, it was so amazing and glorious that she had no breath left in her. She's a queen, and Solomon was so arrayed that it took her breath away. She'd never seen anything like it. So I want you to believe God, God's Word. How much more will He clothe you? How much more will He clothe you today? If He gave Solomon all that and He gives the lilies more than that and they don't have to do anything for it. How much more will He clothe you? O you of little faith. In Deuteronomy 32, Verses 9 and 10, Moses says, But the Lord's portion is His people. The Lord's portion means His inheritance. God loves you so much. He created billions and billions of stars. They really can't even number how many stars there are. You know what His inheritance is? His portion is you. You are His inheritance. That's what He wants. You, his children. Jacob, his allotted heritage. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. That sounds like a nasty place, right? He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. So when your anxiety finds you in your own howling waste of a wilderness, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, will meet you right there. What I hope that, that you do today is remember God's presence to the promises, excuse me, remember God's promises to those who call Him Father. Remember His promises. Remember what you believe. Do you believe that? Remember it. 
and believe what you believe today and tomorrow as well. Believe what you believe. God bless you, Lexi. Remember God's promises. Remember what you believe and believe what you believe. 1 Corinthians 3 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. That leads me to point number three. The earth is currently in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light is not seen by the human eye. That's the kingdom of Jesus. As we look at verses 31 through 33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father, there it is again, your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. What we see here is the great contrast between the two kingdoms. What the Gentiles seek, all these things. Food and clothing. Fancy cars. Got to take a ride in a Ferrari the other day. Just throwing that in there. (laughs) Probably shouldn't have. (laughs) It's not mine, that's for sure. Okay, so here we go. There's two kingdoms. We're currently in the kingdom. How many of you seen The Lion King? Come on. Everybody's seen it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not going to, I don't have to give a spoiler alert here or anything like that. So under Scar's reign, remember Scar, the hyenas are running the show. Darkness rules the savannah. And the land is dry and desolate from lack of care. And there's great sadness and sorrow over the land surrounding Pride Rock. Can you picture it in your mind? Picture Pride Rock in the days of Scar. The hyenas are snarling. No one's happy. Everyone's hungry. It's a dark, dark time. Do we have a picture to show? Something like that, right? Romans 5, 17a. For if because of one man that's Adam's trespass, Death reigned. You see that? When Adam sinned, now death reigns on the earth. That's where we exist right now. In the place where all have sinned. Well, not just Adam. I rode home from work one day with this old coal mine. He was as old school as they get. And he knew I was a Christian. I read my Bible and he goes, Kay, I mean, it would be so great. Just Adam just messed it up for us. I'm like, wait a minute wait a minute minute. you didn't realize like i am adam right you realize that we're all adam but i don't want to get off track the kingdom is defined by the word reign right now the earth is under the reign of satan to some extent do you understand because god gave him that he gave him some license there but we're in this kingdom of darkness okay And that's where we exist. Okay, now let's think about another kingdom. 
when Simba returns, right, to his rightful place. You guys remember Simba? He was cute. Now he's big and grown up and scary. Powerful, mighty king returns. The land is lush and green. The flowers are blooming. The butterflies are fluttering. There's harmony throughout the land. And the hyenas are no longer in charge. And peace is restored again. Can you picture that in your mind? Everyone's happy. Doesn't mean things are perfect, but we got a picture of that too, do we? Yeah. Looks a little different, right? So even though we walk in this kingdom of darkness, let's read the rest of the, cha- the verse there in Romans chapter 5. By the way, if, if you're curious what the Gospel is, that's a good place to, to read. Romans chapter 5. Verses 17 and 18. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, that's Adam, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. There it is right there. The two kingdoms. The Gentiles seek after this, this kingdom of darkness. We as Christians need to seek first that kingdom and the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ, where we find all of our worth, all of our acceptance, all of our love, all of our belonging in Christ Jesus. I don't know. That just blows my mind. That it's even possible. That God would even make it possible for us to do that. But you see, this kingdom's invisible. As I read before, His Spirit dwells in us. They kept trying to make Him a king on this earth, and he, 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 they didn't get it, right? When Jesus walked the earth. It's an unseen kingdom. It exists right now in the hearts and minds of His followers. You'll see the results of the kingdom, like we're here today worshiping and praising, and, and people will help you do things, but that's important to remember because I think that's partly why we get distracted away from seeking His kingdom first. Because we're, we have so many things, right, <laughs> in front of us that we do see and do are much easier to be concentrated on. And to that point, 2 Timothy 4, 9 and 10, I think Joe mentioned this last week, do your best to come to me soon. Paul's asking for friends to come. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So his friend Demas was not seeking the kingdom of God first and His righteousness, and He left Him. So, He's saying, seek His kingdom first and His righteousness. Why would He say that? Why would He tell people, seek His kingdom first? Because He knows that we tend not to do that, right? That's, that's one reason why. We're also told to seek His righteousness. So, what does that mean? Here's the way I thought of it. If I'm seeking His righteousness, I'm going to try to follow in His footsteps. So if I'm following in His footsteps, I'm going to tend to walk in the path that He walked. 
and walk in righteousness more and more every day. Even if I'm not aware of it. Have you ever done that? You think, ah, oh, man, I'm a mess. God, I don't even know. <laughs> I do this wrong and I do... But then you think about where you were, like for me, for years ago, where I was, and the temptation is to think how, how much I've grown, but it's what God has done, how much He's changed you. He will change you a little day by day. So I just want to encourage you to keep walking, put one step in front of the other. I think we lose sight of that in daily life, the value and the power of getting up, going to work, doing a good job, and being a blessing in our lives. Those are the heroes. The moms who get out of bed ten times a night to uh, take care of their kids, right? Do that. If you're, like my wife does an endless stream of laundry. Um, that's heroic. Trust me, I've tried like on Christmas break. I'm going to catch this up. I'm going to be a blessed. We're going to get this and it's going to stay that way. And I work my tail off and I'm like, that was stupid because it just keeps coming. <laughs> so, I mean, that can be a source of anxiety, I'm sure. God provides all our needs. My wife is great, so I don't want to... She hates when I mention her up here too, by the way. So, sorry, honey. Okay, back on track. Okay, so we're seeking this kingdom. How do we seek it? Some guys asked Jesus that. And the funny thing was, he just did the uh, miracle of the loaves and the fishes and they followed him. And he called them out on it. He said, you didn't come here. You came here seeking food. You wanted more free food. They asked him this question, though, which is a great question. We talked about it in men's ministry. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? This is John chapter 6. I'm sorry, I didn't say that. John 6, 28 and 29. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of, the, of God that you believe in Him who He has sent. Because that's where we find our worth and our love and our acceptance. Believe on the One whom He sent. Don't lose track of that. So you see the polar opposites of the world. These men kept come seeking more free bread and fish. And uh, Jesus was trying to give them what He said, the true bread from heaven, which is Jesus Christ Himself. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness, and He will add all those things to you. Okay, we're getting towards the end here. Verse 34, the very last verse that we're going to cover today. He says, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I like the King James Version. It says, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, right? It seems to hit with a little more, feels like that some days, especially Mondays, right? So, but, so the word therefore is referencing back to the key verse in all this passage. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. I'm sorry, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So he's pointing back. Don't be anxious because of that. Because of the kingdom. Because of what kind of king He is. Because of your place in that kingdom. Because in Christ you're worthy of love and acceptance. Believe it. Believe it. 1 Timothy 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And check this out. And the peace of God, that's why the title today was Kingdom of Peace. I don't know if I ever said that. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have a quote here from Watchman Nee. An unpeaceful mind cannot operate normally. Hence, the apostle teaches us, that's Paul, who I just read in this section of Scripture he's referring to, have no anxiety about anything. Deliver all anxious thoughts to God as soon as they arise. You see that? It's kind of like sin. The thought can pop into your mind, but if we don't pursue it, then we're living a life of peace in God's kingdom and not anxiety in the kingdom of darkness. Deliver all anxious thoughts to God as soon as they arise. Let the peace of God maintain your heart and mind. Researchers believe the things that people worry about and get anxious about, the percentage of that that ever actually comes to fruition, well, let me say the percentage that does not ever come to fruition. 85-90% to 90% of the things that we worry about in daily life never even happen. So you can eliminate at least 15% of your worry, uh, at least 85 to 90 percent of your worry by not worrying about things that never happen. I had a friend, had a business. He worked for years. He built it. He built it. It's doing great. He's making money, hand over fist. Probably making more money than most people in the world ever make in a year. And this happened for a few years. He's putting money in the bank. He built a house. He's got a fancy car, not a Ferrari, but pretty fancy. Anyway, <laughs> but all of a sudden he started worrying that for some reason something was going to happen, his business is going to lose his business, and he's going to lose all those things that he had. And the anxiety just kept gripping him and gripping him and gripping him, and he couldn't shake it, and he couldn't sleep, and he was having a hard time. And he has all the things that anyone would ever dream of, a family. And he went and he got some Christian help. And they helped him see He's worrying about something that probably wasn't even going to happen. And if it did, you can help it anyway by worrying. And he found peace over time when he worked through that and trusting God. Because anyone could lose our jobs at any given day and we don't even know. It, it, worrying can't fix that no matter what kind of job you have or what you do. Okay, so I got... If the band can come up, i got a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. And then we'll close. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. We trust God for our eternity, but do we trust Him for our daily? Think about that. I trust God for all of eternity, but I can't trust Him today. That's a quote by Janet McCoy.
when we walk in faith that our Heavenly Father will provide all that we need, that's when we can find rest for our souls. Because God is in control of all things, everywhere, at all times. He will be there when we need Him. There is nothing on the planet that He values more than His children. The Lord's portion is His people. Remember that? And we're the apple of His eye. When we seek His kingdom day by day and moment by moment, He will provide all that we need. So remember God's promises. Remember what you believe. And believe what you believe.